0: Hello, and were you just whispering?
1: Yes, I was just whispering to <laughs> Noah. Sorry. I was just whispering that if the cats become a problem, he should lock them out. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to call it, Dear Mayim and Hank.
0: It's a comedy podcast where me and my brother John, but occasionally guest uh, guest hosts like this, this week's Mayim Bialik, answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars... And AFC Wimbledon. Mayim, did you bring AFC Wimbledon
1: news? You know, I did, and it's big.
0: I was big. It's big. I'm Actually, I looked up some, and I was like, oh, John's going to be sad he missed this week. How are you?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I, <laughs> well I'm okay, but, you know, AFC Wimbledon no. is really in goalkeeper shock. Shh,
0: don't, don't tell anyone yet. We have to save it for the end of the pod.
1: <laughs> okay. I'm doing okay. Good.
0: Good. How, where, where are you at?
1: I'm in my children's room. and I'm uh I'm in Los Angeles why are you in your children is this where your podcast studio setup is it is no there's there's no studio to be had here it's the the quietest room in the house as it were because my children are not here
0: right yes I would imagine that it's not usually the quietest room in the house no no um I have a child now the last time we talked I did not
1: (laughs) that's right Congratulations now again. I, now
0: I do, and he's he's uh, he's sleeping inside right now, and uh, thus does not need me. So that's that's what I've heard is that if a child is sleeping, you can just leave, right, and go somewhere. Oh yeah, that's, no, they got that.
1: Yeah. They figured that out.
0: Perfect. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks. This is excellent parenthood advice. Um, <laughs> uh, I have uh, I have a parenting question for you. Okay. Am I gonna be okay? Are you gonna be okay? <laughs> <laughs>
1: as you as will as be. O- everyth- you'll be okay in about four years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well,
0: good. Uh, at least there's a horizon. I appreciate. Yes. I appreciate the perspective. Um. Uh. Yeah. Well, it is. A, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. I've. Uh. You know. It's. It's, it's very interesting to uh, hear your voice. I, I assume that people know uh, some things about you, but um, you obviously are on some TV shows and have been for a long time. Right. And uh, and also you are just sort of, uh, I don't know, like a professional, helpful nerd person on the Internet. Is that
1: right? (laughs) Um, I guess. I mean, I I definitely have um, made a sort of an active decision to to find an audience that understands me as I am. uh, Since being an Mm -hmm. actor means uh, having people like you for what they want you to be. And um, I, yeah, I started yeah. a website called Grok Nation and I've started entering the YouTube space, honestly, completely inspired um, by you and your brother uh, to try and make an impact in positive ways that are helpful and entertaining um, and don't necessarily rely on a casting director <laughs> um, telling you that you're good enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that. Must, that's, I, uh, I have uh, done a little bit of the L.A. thing and I've, I uh, don't I don't really know why anyone would give up what I do for that. Just because it's so, it's it's rough. It's rough.
1: It's it's rough, and it's not like I work in the coal mines, rough. But um, it is a, it is a psychologically and spiritually challenging environment to uh, to exist in. And, um, you know, I was in the industry as a, as a child and I left for 12 years and got my undergraduate and graduate degree. I had two kids and I've returned and the Big Bang Theory is a very big blessing in my life, but it was not what I thought my life would look like. So there's a lot of adjustment going on in general, as there is for all of us. I
0: feel that. Well, um, speaking of psychological challenges, we have a question. Oh no, wait, you have a short poem for us.
1: I do. I have a stanza of a longer poem, but yes. Okay. Okay. Just like go at it. Do it. Hit so this is, this is a, a medieval um, a poet, he was born in the middle of the 12th century, his name is Per Vidal, and um, when I read this, this particular poem and this stanza, it reminded me of one of my favorite musicians, Morrissey, and you will see from the, f- from the final line why that is so. This is translated by Paul Blackburn. Lady, when I was within your hall, it seemed St. Julian must have been my host. God never made such a perfect day as you formed of that day with your hand. In your making, he made no mistake. Such arms were cast only to kill me, sure. I trust your excellence is too good a thing, but even if you killed me, it'd be my honor, and if I died, I could only die praising and rejoicing. Mm. The wow. the, Morrissey, the Morrissey lyric "To Die by Your Side" is such a heavenly way to die. Is what I thought of when I read that medieval poem.
0: Yeah, the, things have not changed. Exactly. Um, I mean, things have changed, but uh, but as far as like overly saccharine love poetry, we're we're still going at it.
1: Oh yeah, in terms of uh, in terms of painful love, not much has changed in the last you know eight hundred years or so.
0: Well, in terms of painful love. Or, in this case, painful non-love. This question comes at us from Lindsay, who asks, Dear Hank and Miam, I recently asked one of my friends to prom. She's a year younger than me, and uh, I wanted to carry on my tradition in my friend circle of bringing underclassmen to prom a year early so they can experience it. Unfortunately, she took my prom-prosal, prom-posal to mean that I had a romantic interest in her, which I don't. She has confessed that she likes me too and I don't know how to deal with this. Do I tell her that I'm not interested and have the most awkward prom ever or do I just not break the facade and let her down later? Dubious advice is much appreciated. With much uncertainty, Lindsay. Ay, ay, ay. I don't know. I felt like you were going to have the answer, my Oh, I
1: have the answer. Is it my turn to say it? <laughs> yeah. I, uh... I'm always going to advocate for honest and sincere conversations even yeah. if it hurts other people and it's never too young to start doing that kindly and lovingly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how do you do this kindly and, love- and lovingly? Is it sort of like, okay, here Lindsay, I uh asked this question to a podcast, they have answered it and I would like you to I would like you to listen to the <laughs> podcast so that we don't have to have this awkward conversation. That seems like a good way to do it.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> Yeah, no, I think, that, I think that that's pretty much the way you have to do it. There's no way to soften the blow of reality mm-hmm. in this case. And it's going to hurt her, and I think a lot of people avoid having honest and sincere conversations because they're trying to take care of other people's feelings, and I feel like it creates an environment where no one is able to be honest or deal with their feelings. Yeah. So this gets to be the first experience where uh, that's the conversation. It seems that my promposal fancy word it seems that my promposal may have introduced a conversation that is really hard to have but i really want to go to prom with you but i'm not romantically interested in you and i hope that we can still go and have a good time and if you don't want to i'll understand
0: yeah and and uh yeah and i don't know if there's if there's a good hug that can come along with it that isn't awkward but it does seem like a a moment that requires a hug what a a bummer what a bummer what a what a like oh man I wouldn't want
1: a hug in that situation
0: (laughs) okay well that's that's good to note
1: (laughs) yeah dear Hank and Mayim I'm currently in the middle of getting divorced for the most part everything is amicable and we have both moved on with our lives over this past year we do have a wonderful three-year-old son together my ex-husband's birthday is usually the same week as Father's Day and I'm not really sure what if anything I should do I would like my son to be able to give his dad a gift, but I can't just give a three-year-old cash and send him to the store. <laughs> Should I buy a gift for my ex-husband or invest time in making a craft with my son to give him? Is this my job at all now that we were separated? Should I just assume his new significant other will take this over? As always, dubious advice is appreciated. Thank you, Kat. Oh, Kat, yeah. I, have, I I have been in this exact situation. <laughs> I mean, That's I, why have, I like this question.
0: I have feelings. Like, it seems like you, you ended this amicably and you're still friends. So, like, oh, I, and like he's, total, still,
1: like, yeah. he's still
0: a father and it's still his birthday and he's still a part of your life.
1: Right. And I would say um, my ex's birthday is not the same week as Father's Day, but um, there are other holidays that fall around my ex's birthday. So, this is something that has been in my head a lot. Um, here's, here's my thing we get to teach children how to behave separate from our relationships and our resentments or issues the fact that it's the same week as father's day i think would be really nice to show your child whether the father has a new life to show the child this is how we celebrate dad on father's day and his birthday and you don't need to go over the top i think the first year after we were divorced i was like let's buy him a computer (laughs) And and my therapist is like, no, you don't need to buy him a computer, but I think... I think making cards, having the child decorate a card is always a nice thing. When I had children that age and I was just divorced, I would have my child say nice things about daddy. Like I would say, what's something you like about daddy? And I would sort of transcribe, um, you know, like daddy, whatever, (laughs) gives me candy or whatever it is, and then have them decorate the card. I think that's nice. And if there's something small as a gesture that the child can participate in wrapping, I think it's important to show we give important people gifts. And it really is, a, it's its the ultimate gift to teach that child that while giving the ex-husband a gift.
0: Boom. You're really good at this. You're better at advice than hey, John thanks. and Hank Green are. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I feel like we are dispensing actual good advice on this episode of Dear Hank and John. It's super off-brand. <laughs> Sorry. Well, so to, to turn things around, I'm going to hit a question from Stephen who asks, Dear Hank and Mayim, something that I've been wondering for years What is the clothes fastener technology in Star Wars? Do they have zippers or Velcro, or did all species use the same? Pimento in your eye, Steven, in Cincinnati. So I'm going
1: to let you take this one first.
0: uh, Are you a Star Wars fan? I can't imagine you're not a Star Wars
1: fan. I am. I am a Star Wars fan. But
0: did you, upon reading this question, go and Google like every uh, costume design from all of Star Wars? Because that's what I did. Oh, no,
1: (laughs) no. I I didn't do prep. I don't know if that's what I was supposed to do. No, No, no. I didn't do prep. I just used my brain, (laughs) like thought about it.
0: Yeah, I so I did a little bit of prep, and I'll say that they use it, they use it, they seem to use everything. They seem to have Velcro. Yes. They seem to have uh, even magnetic fasteners. It looks like on a couple Love of that. uniforms, some uh, some you know those belts that like the, the like like the straps on like backpacks. A couple of those show up, um, right. but then you have you have zippers and you have buttons all over the place. Lots of zippers and I buttons. Think, you know just like I normal think, life, but,
1: but not but unlike normal life, I think there's a lot of hidden zippers.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Be- well, that's a costume design thing in general. It's like when, like, you Correct. don't necessarily want a zipper pop at like, so I think there's a lot of like, the the fabric goes over where the zipper is because otherwise there's no Correct. way to put that shirt on.
1: So you know there's no, a zipper there. You can't it doesn't, see it. It just doesn't look as nice. I mean, you, then you yeah. can't use a Mickey Mouse zipper pull, which is what used to be on one of my favorite jackets. I mean, I think zipper pulls
0: are so like we need a solution to the zipper pull crisis. Zipper pulls have gotten so boring, all my hoodies have normal zipper pulls, and they're just, like, they're from, you know, YKK, which is the, the biggest, you know, they make 90% of the zippers in the world. And I think that, like, there should be a way for me to replace my YKK zipper pulls with something a little more interesting. And I, like Well, just, I
1: just attach things to the zipper is my solution.
0: You attach So you put something on the end of the zipper pull.
1: Yeah, so, like, I used to have a—this is not an advertisement for Mickey Mouse or Disney— but I used to have a Mickey Mouse—it th- would clip onto your zipper so that you could grab Mickey's okay. face and pull that up. So I took to doing that, because that's what people like me do. I would attach, like, a cute little tie or something like that, and it's easier to, to do then. And cuter.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that—I think the whole the whole assembly, there should be a way to replace it. I'm, I, if you can't hear me well, it's because I'm examining my hoodie zipper right now. Um <laughs> I, I did a bunch of research on the company that makes YKK the, YKK, the company that makes, like, every zipper in the world, and it's amazing. It's mm-hmm. an amazing company and, huh. like, fascinating history. Uh, but anyway, do that yourself. That's not what that's not what this podcast is about. But I do, like, <laughs> I, I have had this thought several times in the last couple of years that, like, zipper I feel like zipper pulls are an opportunity that we're missing, is all. To, Agreed. Yeah. Agreed like belt buckles had this for a little while. Socks are having it right now, where people are expressing themselves through their socks in a way they hadn't previously. Of course- That's look, true. Yeah, you know, like enamel pins are happening, but I think that zipper pulls may be the, ne- I'm gonna predict right now. Zipper pulls are the next big thing in personal expression uh, um, for, for, uh, for nerds like us.
1: <laughs> you, you heard it here first, folks.
0: <laughs> Hank Green, fashion expert. <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, I think that this is a, you know, obviously this is a, a galaxy that's very far away. It was a long time ago, but I think that this is a case of just convergent fastening technology. Like, it's just going to happen that these are the things that work well. Velcro, um, you know, straps and belts and, uh, and zippers and buttons and magnetic snaps. Absolutely. All right. Do you, do you have another one for us?
1: Yes, and actually, if, if you're, uh, here's a little hint as to which one I'm going to ask. If you're having a cold, you may want to eat something spicy. Dear Hank <laughs> and Mayim, my boss keeps asking me things like, Are you Kim Jong Un's cousin? Or, Did you bring dog meat for lunch? Oh, oh, God. This is obviously a harmless joke, but I hate it. Is it? I'm the only. Wait, is it a harmless joke? Wait, well, let's see what the question is. <laughs> okay. I'm the only Asian working in a building of about 200 Aww. white people. So, when I first started, I cracked some jokes about being Asian to make everyone feel comfortable with me. But now, a year later, my boss's daily racially centered banter is getting old, annoying, and at times mean. Should I say something to stop her? I feel like if I do, she won't know how else to communicate with me. <laughs> also, I f- also I feel like it's kind of my fault for starting it. Any advice? Kimchi and Vegemite, Sam.
0: Oi, oi, oi! First of all, uh, I, well, I guess so. I'm understanding now. So you've got so you've got 200 white people in this building. Your direct uh, yeah. report boss is uh, thinks that thinks that you know your race is a thing to comment upon, like the color of your of your shirt um uh but worse than that way worse than that I don't like so the thing is this boss is obviously not the top boss at your company 200 people you have an HR department and this is what the HR department is for when you have a pro- like when there's a problem with your boss that doesn't have anything to do with your job that's who you're supposed to talk to and that is the kind of exact kind of problem that they want to hear about because it is a huge like it's a big it's a pretty big deal
1: hmm And and also, I think what's really interesting, the I feel like it's kind of my fault for starting it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's not go down that road. There's no excuse <laughs> for what's going on. It is not your fault for starting it, unless by starting yeah. it you mean being Asian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting that coming into a place where you are different, there's a, there's often, a, there's, often a, there's often a sort of psychological desire to be like, hey, I know, I'm aware that I'm different. And here, here it is I'm Asian, and here's my joke about how I'm a different person and like trying to like a, a little bit alleviate the tension of the difference that's there
1: I, I have as right and as a Jewish person, I've absolutely done this I've absolutely when I'm in a situation where um, it is clear that people are either unfamiliar with Jewish people or um, have not had a lot of interaction with Jewish people, there is a little bit of kind of social icebreaking you do, Mm -hmm. as it were. I mean, I would never say like, how do you like my hook nose (laughs) or anything like that. And anything, anything that I would say, um, would would not, it would not be acceptable for that to open the door to people saying, oh, are you never gonna buy lunch or anything like that? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has a huge difference between those two things, uh, calling it out and being like, I'm aware yes. that I'm different, and then someone else being like, yes, you are. Let me reemphasize that every day for the right. rest of the time that you work here, uh, because that was fun Absolutely. when you did it. Uh, oh,
1: man. No, not, not okay. and. You know, a really, really important, um, you know, kind of 21st century realization, these kind of things don't have to be brushed under the rug anymore. Um, You know, a a lot of the, a lot of sort of the explosion of, um, you know, the notion of equality and liberalism, a lot of that sometimes is taken too far. But my feeling is, let's err on the side of being sensitive, cautious, and respectful.
0: Oh, man. It's, it's. It's very weird when people are like, oh God, I have to do, I have to think about that now. And I'm just like, well, you know, if you want to be, if you want to be nice, like if you want to be, you know, if you want to respect other humans who are different from you, sure. Um, So I'm so sorry that it's inconvenient, I guess.
1: (laughs) Don't put a question mark.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah. I have a, I'm, 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 I deal with this a lot in my professional life because I I have a science show on YouTube where people are like uh, of us of you know they're familiar with people who are like them mostly, and uh, and and they are right. and, and like the vast majority of SciShow viewers are white dudes and uh, and they you know it's it's difficult to understand the experience of other people and maybe they're not experienced at it and uh, and when they're like why why did you talk that way I'm like well because I have trans friends who are like it's better like it's it's less uh troubling for me when you talk a certain way when you don't connect biological sex and gender and I'm like oh okay well then I won't do that and then people and then like somebody who this doesn't affect at all starts just screaming at me like I have caused the greatest injustice in human history by acknowledging the existence of trans people and I'm like I don't. I just don't. I don't know right. what to, where to go from here. Like, why are you so mad? I didn't tell you how to talk. I talked the way that I thought was right. respectful to the people that uh, have talked to me about this issue. And I, yeah, totally lost on that. And I wanted to say it out loud because I've been, I've been experiencing it for the last uh, two years, and I didn't really talk about it until recently. And I started talking about it to the SciShow audience, and it has it has been. Uh, I feel like better for everybody to have it a little bit out in the open. So. Agreed. Anyhow, this question is from Rachel, who asks, Dear brothers from a mother with a last name of another color. That's a reference to a song I wrote a long time ago. But (laughs) unfortunately, it's not applicable in this situation, unless Bialik is uh, a a color.
1: Actually, it is from the root of the word white. Yes, from the Bialystok (laughs) region of Russia, Ukraine, Poland. (laughs) Hey!
0: But we're not, yeah, unfortunately. unfortunately Amazing. Uh, Amazing. <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. It's siblings, at least. Um, <laughs> Rachel, Rachel asks, um, I was playing a game of French Toast online with friends in, uh, that I met at NerdCon Nerdfighteria. Thanks for that, by the way. And we stumbled upon a problem that is threatening to rip us apart. Is a necktie a type of scarf?
1: <laughs> in all caps.
0: God. Ah. Oh. I mean, I like. I don't even want to like look at the rest of this question. I, it's very long. There's a substantial amount of uh, of of discussion of what a scarf is uh, that continues here. Uh, can we just get beyond uh, needing to label everything to know what, what what things go in what category and people being like pop tarts are sandwiches and I'm like stop it, just go away.
1: Okay, but Rachel wants to know. <laughs> I want you to tell
0: her. Mayim is a Pop Tart a sandwich because it's, it's basically two pieces of bread with something in the middle.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> no? You're not ready no. to accept that? It's nice. not.
0: What makes it not a sandwich then?
1: Like you and me hugging someone in the middle of us doesn't make us a sandwich either. Well,
0: but it's it's food. It's two pieces of bread. No,
1: no, but this is like the transitive property of our existence. (laughs) Okay, well. We're food to someone or some animal. (laughs) That'd be
0: good. A shark (coughs) to a shark. Three people hugging is a sandwich. Perfect. Done.
1: (laughs) That shark is going to call it a Pop-Tart is what they're going to call it. So if
0: a Pop-Tart is not a sandwich, then a necktie is not a scarf.
1: My feeling is the fact that the word tie is in the name of it (laughs) means it's not a scarf. It's got the word tie. That's like a verb. It's a thing you do with it. But, oh God,
0: now now we're in the rabbit hole because you could tie a scarf. I've done it.
1: You could. No, I do it, but it's not called a scarf tie. <laughs> but when I, you can also not, Wait, you can also knot it.
0: <laughs> but you can not, You can. You can knot a tie.
1: You can wear a scarf as a hat. You, you can't wear a necktie as a hat. <laughs> oh my
0: God. That's, that's, that's not helpful. That is my, my not. That was not used, involved.
1: <laughs> my mother used to like make me wear headbands made out of vintage ties. It was like a thing. <laughs>
0: I think I can picture Blossom doing that.
1: Exactly. She also <laughs> would give me, um, I would wear um, neckties like belts. And when I would be like, Mom, I don't think this is cool, she'd be like, Gene Kelly did it. <laughs> 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 That's a true story.
0: Oh, so is the necktie a belt is the next question.
1: <laughs> everything is everything.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yes. I. Well, uh, you know what? I think it's up in the air, honestly, Rachel. I think I think we're not going to get there. I think that I think that we there's there comes a point at which things blend, and there is no definite definition of what a sandwich is or what a scarf is, and we're just going to have to accept that there th- that there are these areas where there will be disagreement. Like some people will say that color is orange, and some people will say that color is red because it's right between red and orange. And that's just that's part of life. And and you're gonna And also
1: this is this is gonna vary culturally as well, right? Sure. We we have a culture with a language that has names for ascots and ties and bow ties and scarves and I'm sure there are other things I don't know the names for that are related to things that go around your neck. <laughs> but we only have one word for snow, right?
0: <laughs> no, you clearly don't live in Montana. We have lots of words <laughs> for snow.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> I stand corrected.
0: Uh, Oh, man. Well, I feel like I asked that question just to get mad at Rachel, but I'm not really mad at Rachel. I'm mad at Rachel for letting this come between her and her friends. (laughs) Like, don't let this tear you apart.
1: Like you could tear apart a necktie after tying it. Right,
0: just rip it off. Just rip the whole controversy apart and say we share values and we share a, we share a connection and we share experiences and that's what ties us together. Not this stupid piece of silk or other kind of fabric.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: You want to hit me with another I'm question? I'm very
1: I do. I'm really excited about this one, both for you and for me. Okay. Thomas says, Dear Mayim and Hank, I love this question so much. At the time of writing this, I've just arrived at my favorite place to go and relax, my local library. While the library is awesome for my de-stressification needs, being quiet and peaceful, it is currently packed with shouting babies and their (laughs) equally loud mothers on account of it being, according to the website, Baby time. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait for it. I'm gonna ask it the way I would ask it. How is this a thing? If there's one thing everyone learns about libraries is that they're supposed to be quiet. How do you two feel about this? Should baby time be a thing? Also, should I get another quiet place during the weekly shouting match between tiny humans that seems to be taking place? Coffee and rage, Thomas. Thomas, are you single? Because you are absolutely the person for me. I am a mother. I'm a mother of two children and this stuff makes me bonkers. (laughs) <laughs> Makes me bonkers.
0: I I live in a I, I, go ahead. <laughs> I live in a town that is very baby, fr- baby and child friendly, and like, uh, like the owners of businesses are aware that in order to fill out their clientele, they have to appeal to parents and get them out of the house and get them going to places. And so, wh- in, in my pre-baby life, like I haven't gotten to the point where I can even do this yet because my child sleeps every thirty seconds, and I'd like, and we don't want to mess with it. <laughs> Is uh, just like at this age, at six months, they're all like it's always either about like they're just getting up or they're about to go to sleep. There's like 30 minutes during which you can do stuff. It's very frustrating, <laughs> but eventually, I imagine this will happen. Uh, and, and but before my, in my pre baby life, I would show up at a bar and then suddenly it would be like a person would be on the stage singing children's music and a thousand uh, children would be running around screaming and the, it would be all and I was just like, I came to a bar. I came to a bar to do bar things and suddenly I found myself in a, what is apparently like a bar gymboree. Like it's it like it's as if the McDonald's playpen It's a bar-bury. Yeah, got got <laughs> it on with uh with an like a regular dive bar in Missoula, Montana that smells like cigarettes and like and like a century of beer poured across the floorboards. This <laughs> is not normal.
1: No. But, but it is a thing. But it's. But I mean, like, it's great. I'm. So I'm a, like.
0: I'm happy now that like there will be a future in which I can take my three year old screaming pile of of annoyance well, so, okay. to a bar I, I and, and have a beer.
1: So I I literally could probably do an hour podcast by myself about this very topic <laughs> because <laughs> I think here here's the thing, and I live in Los Angeles, which is you know kind of the the ultimate in accommodating the baby culture. Um, I. I I think that there's a couple things that are going on, and one of the things, and you know, as a person who advocates for natural birth, and I'm a lactation educator, counselor, and a lot of my world kind of revolves around people honoring the natural rhythms of babies and children. Um, I think that there's this notion that you know, life shouldn't change or can't change. And we have all of these activities and things that you can do to try and prove to yourself, you know, that that life doesn't have to change just because you have kids. So, you know, you can take your baby to yoga and they have movie theaters where they turn the lights down, but not all the way. And everyone's encouraged (laughs) to bring their children so their children can run around the theater and you can all go to the movies with your children still there, or there's a restaurant here, and you know no judgment against people who want to use it, the restaurant has a, a separate back room with hired babysitters, and you Whoa. drop your children off so you can have a fancy Beverly Hills lunch while a stranger watches your children.
0: Well, a qualified stranger, theoretically.
1: Sure. But (laughs) then again, for me, the the overarching notion here is how can you get back to your life as soon as possible? And for a lot of people, I understand that's a valuable priority. But as a person who, again, advocates for really living in rhythm with the small mammal that you have ricocheted out of your body, it is also (laughs) okay to acknowledge. that your life is going to change, and that tension is what makes us human, and it's what makes us able to accommodate the changes in our body, the changes in our culture. It doesn't all have to be the same. Mm -hmm. So obviously, Thomas may have to find another time. He's welcome to gently tell the head of the library or the HR department at the library that this seems an odd choice of a place to do baby time, but I'm the kind of person, I I love my kids, not so keen on other people's kids because I can't control them and I can't control the way (laughs) people parent them. When I go to grown-up restaurants with my children, I always go at the earliest reservation time. I ask to be seated quickly, I order quickly, and I get out of there. Because not everyone has to like being with my children in a grown-up restaurant. And there were about two years when my ex and I didn't really go out to restaurants. We cooked, we ordered in, we had people bring us food, because we didn't feel like it was other people's responsibility to tolerate us wanting to feel normal again. We made a decision to have a baby. Be. We dealt with it the way we felt was most appropriate for society at large, and so Thomas, I share <laughs> your rage, and I absolutely am holding your hand through this whole thing. So I think
0: that your your arguments here are completely valid for like the barbary movie theater restaurant with a with a nursery in the back kind of situation where people are like i i I had children but i but i don't want to have had children and so i want to have my normal life how like and i have a lot of money to spend trying to pretend for a moment that i just it's just me and my wife again and uh and that's and like and i understand that and and i understand like wanting to like do that sometimes and like but 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 i think that there's a difference between that and like what i'm struggling with right now is like i would like to meet some people who have 6 month old babies so that like we can talk about like what they're doing and and commiserate and be like you're doing great and um and just like and be like someday our kids maybe are going to go to school together uh and and i think that that's the purpose of of baby time at the library like it's not like you know it's not like these parents would be going to the library they're not going to the library to use the library while their babies are there they're there's it's like an event for parents to meet each other and the and libraries are in addition to being uh, providing the service of you know uh, available media for you to uh, to acquire temporarily. Um, they're also community organizing and event spaces and it and it would be True. nice if we had more different kinds of community organizing and event spaces, but we kind of just have the library. And exactly. libraries want to be a useful thing in the world. And since this is a useful thing, like, so, so th- if you think about it that way, maybe it's a little, it causes a little bit less rage, uh, <laughs> that it's a providing a, a service for your community. Uh, but I understand, and it is hard to find other quiet places and, and it is, and I hope that this doesn't start happening to like coffee shops, like places where, Oh, just give me a place. Uh, where it can be quiet and we can do our thing, and I think it, I think there will always be places for for you.
1: But but in short, yes, Thomas, this is a thing.
0: It's a thing. It's a thing. I have another question, Mayim. It's from Ben, mm-hmm. who asks, "Dear Hank and Mayim, I was opening some boxes at work today, and I sm and it, one smelled a little bit like gasoline." I. Uh, I I brought up the fact that I enjoy the smell of gasoline with a coworker and we began talking about how it does seem to be a smell that a lot of people like. Why is that? I understand why evolution would shape our brains to enjoy sweet smells because that indicates like sugar or or food. I understand why we might dislike the smell of rotting meat or poo because it contains things that could kill us. But why gasoline? If you brought gasoline back to the time when our ancestors lived in Africa two million years ago, would they appreciate the smell, too? Like, this is a dangerous thing. This is me talking now. Why? Like, do not. Like, gasoline is like it's cancer in a bottle. Like, do not. Like, if you huff it, you (laughs) will die eventually. If you drink it, you will die. But I think I, this and it's clearly not just me because ben thinks it too that gasoline kind of smells good
1: Mm-hmm. oh I love gasoline so oh. I mean I
0: don't like it's i i've did a little bit of research. There's some some thought that like, oh, it's just like it connects you back to your past and it's like a nostalgia thing. But but there's also some indication that you like the smell of gasoline more. Like you rate it more highly on the pleasantness scale if you are currently hungry. Which makes me think that since it's similar molecule to a lot of aromatic molecules that are the things that give like... Uh, Fruits and fruits, they're like fun smells and good smells. And in this question, Ben talks about sweet smells, Mm -hmm. but there are no, you can't smell sugar. Um, So, yeah, like, so there are smells that are associated with sweetness because they come along with sweetness and they tend to be these aromatic hydrocarbons that benzene, which is like the primary thing in gasoline, uh, is sort of shaped similarly too, and so I, I'm guessing that like there's kind of a, like maybe some similarity there. You know, so so yeah, you know about the brain some. Well, right? yeah,
1: and I mean I think that um, uh, you know I think that for some people, like a, a lot of sort of you know. The, the gasoline research out there in terms of why people like it says that like oh, you're 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 feeling a small high, you're getting a small high and oh. even, if, even if it's not a conscious high, meaning you're not consciously processing like, whoa, this feels you know whatever. That you are associating it, um, you know, on an unconscious level, with some sort of euphoria. Um, I noticed one person, when when answering this question on the interwebs, said like, "I like gasoline because I associate it with fun, like boats, <laughs> like jet skis." <laughs> 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 I don't, I don't think for me that's sure. it. But I really, um, you know, I, I don't think that I have a death wish. But I like any nox- like noxious smell. I like, you know, those magic markers, or like the really thick markers that we used to make poster boards for science experiments. Like, That's just like, I don't know why that's my jam, but it is. I've never passed (laughs) out from it. Um, I have two children, one of whom really likes uh, that smell, and he's sort of my mini-me genetically, and the other one, who's more (laughs) his dad genetically, does not like the smell. So I will continue to do this experiment. I'm not having any more children, but wouldn't that have been a great experiment?
0: (laughs) Do it, yeah. Well, now you are you are obligated by science
1: <laughs> to, to make to more just babies. just pop,
0: pop a few more out, yeah. <laughs> it's, how, it's how it works. Yes. Uh, so basically, though, we don't know, but apparently it is a common thing. I did like I didn't realize until I read that question that it wasn't just me. Like I've been kind of quiet about it, experiencing shame. Right. I've got I've got this weird thing about me no, that I like it, the smell of this dangerous loud. thing.
1: You love gasoline and you're <laughs> proud
0: okay Uh, um well let's just throw it in a perfume then yeah um coming 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 next year motocross the scent
1: oh yeah that's uh uh, (laughs) that's that's pheromonic for sure uh
0: all right let's let's hit another question this one's from liza oh go ahead oh Oh, it was my turn all right no it is and i said i said her name wrong anyway so you go um this is
1: kind of this is a rough one but i really i really want to ask Darcy's question. Dear Hank and Mayam, I would like to preface this email by saying that I am not xenophobic or discriminatory towards religions. I just don't understand the tradition of Islam of women women covering themselves. My question is this. How should I feel about headscarves? And do you feel differently about hijabs, niqabs, and burqas? To me, they seem oppressive. I know in many countries, especially in the Middle East, these are used to oppress women, as shown in society and law. However, I can appreciate that some people wear them to respect God, but if God made people perfect, and so on, why do we need to cover ourselves like that? Why don't men have to cover heads and faces, specifically in Islam? But in some societies, women are demonized and even killed for not wearing a burqa. Again, not a xenophobe. Darcy, P.S. Is there a term that means discriminatory against religious beliefs, as I know I use xenophobic incorrectly throughout this email? (laughs) That's several questions, Darcy. Uh.
0: It is a bunch of questions, and 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 a
1: bunch of hard
0: questions. Yes,
1: let's tackle them all, <laughs> or a couple. Uh, yeah. I well. So the reason that this question um, is so interesting to me is that I come from a religious tradition where women do cover their heads and also parts of their bodies that um, that often men don't have to cover. And so obviously Islam is different than, than religious Judaism, but I think one of the main things that sort of um, strikes me about people's often misunderstandings about religion and also about the restrictions specifically on women um, is that, you know... <laughs> we 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 are the the interpreters of religious traditions as human beings, and uh, the the notion that God has passed down ways for me to cover myself or restrict my freedoms to me those really need to be understood in the context of of history and and the anthropology of of parts of the world where these religions originated so you know the 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 laws that we impose on ourselves and on other people are exactly that. They are made by humans, and in most cases, they're made by men. So the notion that women have been restricted in Islam or even in Judaism, the fact is for pretty much all of human history, women have been restricted in a lot of ways. And and part of that is biology, you know, as Freud told us, right, biology is destiny. And, And to some sense, that's true. But I think it's important to realize that our interpretation is what's important. And the way we understand it in terms of history is important as well. There are restrictions for men, for example, in religious Judaism, in terms of modesty and how they dress. But historically, there have always been differences in the way men and women are treated. Now, I'm not saying that burkas is the way to go. For me, that doesn't work. Or the notion that when girls are, you know, of the age that they... um, start their menstrual cycle, that we cover their heads. In in religious Judaism, head covering is seen as a change in status from unmarried to married. And that's sort of how I've grown up framing it. It is very upsetting to see women completely covered. And a lot of women who claim that they're happy that way are also growing up and, and living in a culture of religious patriarchy. So a lot of times we don't know things are not okay until we see more of the world and understand sort of more of how how history is is moving forward. So I don't know that there's an easy answer to this. I, I will say though that we shouldn't just demonize religions because honestly it's culture in general that has distinguished men and women because of their biology and because then of how culture interprets that. But blaming God is really not the place to go here because you know, God, as far as I'm concerned, God's in charge of creating the world and then we're in charge of, of being the human beings that try and interpret that and bring meaning to the world in a way that God cannot communicate directly with us.
0: I feel tremendously unqualified to, uh, to answer this question. So I'm glad that you were here today to help with that. Um I like the thing that I I <laughs> generally try to remember is that uh we all do things based on our culture that don't like that like that we think make perfect sense. But if you think about them they don't really. Like it would be very weird for me to go uh leave my house in a sundress and uh and people would comment upon that and and uh, many people would you know if I if I did that in the wrong place I would be in a lot of trouble. Like I would potentially not make it home unscathed um in america and so we have like like there are and like but i can also say that i prefer to not wear sundresses why is that probably not because i wouldn't be comfortable in them if i had been raised wearing sundresses like i'd probably be super down with it and i would probably look pretty cute but if like but the fact that like i have grown up in a culture where that is the norm like i would never be like you know like this is like like we need to restructure my society to uh or, or even force people to dress a certain way when they have had their life uh you, you know like when they when they have been told their their whole life that like you should cover your head and that is a thing that happens you know in you know in, in you know in lots of different traditions for both genders you know Sikhs for example like uh, in public mm-hmm. always have their heads covered um so like like i do, like I get very weirded out when it's like, yes, we should understand that this is a tool of of like of culture and that it isn't, like and that it is uh, a system that uh you know like comes out of men trying to control women or or just or succeeding in controlling women, but at the same time like i don't like you can't Jump mm-hmm. in and tell people that they can't dress a certain way anymore because you're trying to free them because that is the opposite of freeing them. Absolutely. It's a hard one, though. But I think it is we very did well. important between to, the two st- of
1: us. I think we did yeah. well.
0: I think it's very important to separate the idea of of culture and the idea of religion and like and and know that there are many religious people who who uh, do things differently and many people who feel very free and very liberated and also wear headscarves. Like and. Mm-hmm. You know I, I have i have those friends and they're like and like it ne- doesn't even occur to me that their headscarf is uh is like a result of uh you know them their their heritage coming from a patriarchal place because like all like first of all all of our heritage does and like even now it does but um but like they are now you know like having their experience of their you know their worldview their religion their connection their americanness all of the things that inform who they are uh like it's just that like their continuing desire to have the to you know dress in the way that they like to dress is a thing and that's dope all right Mayam, I have I have one more question before we get to the all important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. This one's from Lisa, who asks, "Dear Hank and Mayim, I'm 15 years old and I want to get a summer job. The thing is, I have no idea how to describe myself in a CV. I'm a very awkward and shy person. How did you describe yourself when you were looking for your first job?" Dubious devices, welcome. Yours, Lisa. I'll be honest. You just walk into Walmart and you're like, "I would like to stock your shelves," and they'll be like, "Okay, here's seven dollars an hour or whatever it is." Like it's. <laughs> If you're getting if you're getting that kind of job, they're happy to happy to give it.
1: I actually have a I I mean in uh, by CV I usually think that means sort of a, like an academic resume of like you yeah. don't usually have to describe yourself in a CV, but I guess maybe she's talking about <laughs> if there's like an application it says describe yourself and she's confused as to how you describe oh, yourself like a as an awkward of, shy of, person. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I mean, I happen to be um, an introverted person um, and. To me, I, I like that term more than awkward and shy. Um, I don't typically say to people I'm a little bit on the spectrum. I usually say I'm an extroverted introvert. Here are the things that I excel at. Um, some of these things are challenges for me, and I'm very, you know, excited slash motivated slash interested in being able to find a place at your, you know, place where I would like to work.
0: Yeah. Um, and also I think that it's important to know that like, there are a lot of things that you aren't going to be good at cause you've never had a job. Uh, so you don't, you don't exactly know what people right. want, what, like what this job is and how it works and, um, and what you will be doing and what's required of you. But I do think that it's like focusing on strengths, obviously, as the thing that you do in, in job applications. Um, can you work when you're 15? Is that allowed? And,
1: and being, Hold and on. also being... And also being honest. Is, is, you 15, know.
0: is that allowed? Like, when, when is the age where you can start working? A
1: clearly 15. I think 15 in some places. Yeah.
0: 14 minimum age for employment in specified occupations outside school hours. 16 basic minimum age for employment. So I don't even know if you can. You got to be careful, Lisa.
1: <laughs> maybe, she's, maybe she's on the cusp. Come on now. Let's not get right, caught up true. on the details. It's she's pretty, asking she- a question. She's awkward yeah. and shy. How did she describe did, herself? Lisa did the
0: right thing by not saying I'm 15 and three quarters years old because that that is intolerable.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> she can't win with you. She can't win. So I win.
0: appreciate Lisa, you, you having done it the way that you've done it uh, because obviously summer is coming up and you may be 16 by then. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, um, I think that, I think it's a great thing to get a job at that age and to get a little bit of responsibility and learn what it is to, and maybe, you know, even become a little less awkward and shy as you uh, as you connect with folks. I'm not saying like, stop being introverted, but you know, being able to, like, like everything gets better with practice. Um,
1: well, and also finding out what you don't like is often as important as absolutely. finding out what you do. And uh, a very close friend of mine who's a very strong introvert and, uh, really, really um, struggles in social situations. You know, she actually likes working in an office filing things because her actual interaction with people's minimal. She's got the things that she does, she knows how to do them and she does them on time and she goes home. Um, you know, that works for her. So you will also find what works and doesn't work for you as the person that you are and the person that you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm.
0: And the person that you will be because of course, remember that we all continue to change. I, uh... True. I'm, Thirty-six years old. Oh my gosh! I'm going to be thirty-seven really soon. By the time this podcast comes out, I'm going to be thirty-seven.
1: Are you thirty-six and three quarters?
0: <laughs> oh, no, I feel the burn. That, oh, somebody get a
1: salve. Does it smell like gasoline or burning rubber? Because I know you like it.
0: <laughs> oh man.
1: Oof. Jeez. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, oof. oof. Uh, <laughs> this This podcast is brought to you by Sick Burns uh just don't oh don't don't do it don't don't put yourself in a situation where Mayim Bialik's gonna get you because she will
1: (laughs) says every man I've ever dated This podcast has been brought to you by Shark Sandwich, also known as Three People Hugging.
0: Oh, delicious, delicious. Everything is a sandwich. If there's three things and you've put them next to each other, if you could conceivably think of a situation in which something might consume those things, it's a sandwich. This podcast is also brought to you by uh, Mickey Mouse Zipper Pulls. Absolutely adorable. uh, On uh, young Mayan Bialik, who is also wearing uh, a... A, a necktie as a belt, like Gene Kelly.
1: <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by child labor laws, <laughs> helping you figure out how far through a year you are allowed to apply for a job. In
0: <laughs> you show up and you're like, "Hello, I'm 15 and three quarters, uh, and I would like a job here at here at Walmart." And they'll be like, mm-hmm. Abs- "absolutely, absolutely, let us begin the application process." Uh, well, you now it is time. For the all important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, did you? I, I have heard that there is news from AFC Wimbledon, and I want to hear it. Oh man, the
1: goalkeeper shock is what's happening. Yeah, yeah. The, a, what is what, a legend so midfielder shocked. has been let go.
0: <sighs> yeah. So uh, both both the goalkeeper. So what's the goalkeeper? Shock? So
1: so first James Shea is leaving. But now da- a- Danny Bowman and Chris Robertson are also leaving Kings Meadow.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: I know. Oh, man. And, you know, there are tough decisions to make. Um, and, you know, there have been over 100 appearances in all competitions for this club between Bowman and Shea. But, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> what what Neil Ardley has said, he's the boss. He said, we've reached a point where finances and different things go on. And with a heavy heart, <laughs> we have to let Danny go. And,
0: uh, they, oh, man. It's, it's it such a bummer, it's a bummer when, it, when finance and, and different things different go things. on.
1: And especially with a player like Danny, because they have such strong allegiances with him. He's never let them down. Never let them down. But finances and things, um, you know, have really gotten in the way. Uh, people are going to miss him and uh he's really been a step up kind of player his attitude they say is a model for i mean he sounds like the perfect guy but as i said finances and and different things
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh that's a, a bummer i mean I, I, john is going to be so sad that he wasn't here to deliver that news <laughs> probably so sad enough that he's going to deliver it again next week oh yeah but no, i'm it's so
1: tragic i mean it's a shock palpable shock
0: i i am pleased that you were here to give that news because uh I, I think I enjoyed it more than I would have if John <laughs> well, had delivered
1: I am, it. I'm still reeling. I'm just reeling. Um,
0: well, I mean, I mean, aren't we all? Uh, and I'm sure that everybody out there who's listening to the pod is, uh, you know, gently weeping yeah. into their, into their <laughs> car steering wheels or wherever you happen to be. <laughs> uh, drive safe, everyone. And don't forget, if you put something in the oven, it's probably on fire by now because we did such a good job of distracting you. The news from Mars... Is uh, is is good and bad, Mayim? In the next, uh, you know, like right now, we have a nine operating missions on or around Mars. So we've got uh, we got rovers, we've got uh, we've got orbiters. That's this is a lot. This is a lot happening all at the same time, it's more than ever. But in 2020, we're going to have nine more missions. We're going to double the number of missions uh, that are headed to Mars. We've got SpaceX. We've got um, what? I lost it. Uh, we've, got, we've got SpaceX. We've got the Mars 2020 rover. we got the European Space Agency's ExoMars mission. We've got China's thing. We've got the United Arab Emirates Hope Orbiter. We've got Indy's, India's Mar- Mars Orbiter 2. Um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot happening. And this is great. This is very exciting. But we only have... Uh, like one way to communicate between Mars and Earth. We've got this deep space network that NASA set up and it lets uh, all other, you know, space agencies piggyback on it. But it can only handle so much data and you need a lot of data not just for sending uh, sending like back pretty pictures and, and, like, spectroscopy stuff, but also, like, just to figure out, like, telemetry and know where everything is and keep things in the, the right orbit and make sure they land in the right place and keeping them moving around on the surface of the planet. And it's got to start getting overloaded to the, to the point where, like, people are legitimately concerned about whether we will have too many Mars missions, if they all make it, which we know we're all hoping to do, that we won't have enough bandwidth to manage the amount of data that we need uh, just to keep the, the missions running, not even including sending back, you know, beautiful high resolution images and videos. So uh, caution to the world, we need we need a more robust deep space network.
1: This sounds like something someone should have thought about before you and me well, saying it right now, but you're absolutely all, right. All, the,
0: all, all these missions happened really quick. Like uh, they're happening faster. People are, uh, are, are designing the missions more quickly. You know, SpaceX is like, we're going to land a lander on Mars in 2020. And you're like, what? It's, it's, 20, it's 2017, you guys. Like, that's not long from now. So we're getting better at doing it fast. And uh, yeah, so this is a thing that we needed to think about. And thankfully, people are starting to think about it. And I'm sure they'll, you know, that's the thing about NASA. Like, they see problems coming pretty pretty long way away. They're going to figure it out.
1: I'm hopeful. They're going to
0: figure it out. <laughs> I'm hopeful. We're all, we're all hopeful. Maya, this has been an absolute joy.
1: Uh, You're really I, good at this. I could, oh, thank you. I mean, I I learned most things I know from you, so thank you.
0: Oh, that's definitely not the case.
1: <laughs> at least in this <laughs> arena, it is.
0: <laughs> uh, right, sure, maybe. Uh, <laughs> in, in terms of in terms of uh, in terms of advice podcasts, uh, but I. <laughs> Uh appreciate you uh taking the time out of your day to spend spend time and uh if you want to check out Mayam Well
1: thank you. Thank you for the thank you for the faith in me uh to to allow me to participate in this. This is well, awesome. Well if you want
0: to check out some of the other cool stuff Mayam is doing, uh her website is Groc Nation, G-R-O-K Nation. And uh and if you wanna check out more of what's going on with Dear Hank and John, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Hank and john. Uh we're not doing it this week in Rhymes because Mayhem doesn't have any idea what that is. Uh, and i don't want to throw her that deep into the deep end but there will be another one next week uh, when john comes back so uh we appreciate all of you hanging out this podcast is edited by nicholas jenkins rosiana hals rojas and sheridan gibson are our producers Um, Victoria Bongiorno is our social media manager Uh, theme music is from Gunnarola, and I think I said all the things I usually write it down beforehand and honestly John mostly handles this part so I forget how it goes you can email us your questions at hankandjohn at gmail.com and as we say in our hometown don't Don't forget forget to to be be awesome.
1: awesome